Oh, and play some dramatic music during my intro. Oh, it's easy. It just goes like this. Oh, an NFT of an NFT. I love it. I'm so sad for your group that they're terminal. Yeah, I just want. I want to get my. Uh, I want to get the night elf so I can dress him up like uh, Mr. T from the old commercials. I am independently poor. Hey, they're your teeth if you paid for them. Now, see, the trees have been donating pollen to Moss's face. Moss threatens to get naked every time Tony's not here. He has a relationship with trees, don't you know that? I, I, well, you know, when you start hugging trees, it sometimes moves on to a deeper relationship. No. Mm-mm. You'd make it out of sticks and branches. Hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. And some twine that you found uh, last Thanksgiving for the turkey. Oh, yeah, you have our jerk? Where's Tony Watson? Boom. I'm about to bring in the jerk. Let's rock. Craig wasn't here last time, but Craig's not green this time. I feel like Craig's going to do us dirty again. They look like brothers. Thanks, Craig. Got to figure out how to donate to that guy. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> that Craig's list? <laughs> Thanks, <jerk>. Clem. And Craig. <laughs> I think it's actually called a dendrophiliac. <laughs> Wow. I like that. It, it, it's really weird that you knew that word. We yeah, need... it kind of is. <laughs> it is yes. We need more science on this show. I think that's fantastic. Welcome to Midcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 360. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Joe. Hello. Moss. Well, most of me's here anyhow. And Mike. I got a head full of hot takes and no filter today, so buckle up, boys and girls. Yes. We're recording on Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. First up in our wanderings, I fly like an eagle. Joe goes to Florida. Moss is attacked by the trees. Mike wings it. Then in the news, A Linux Mint update, Ubuntu 2.20.104, and everyone's favorite NFTs, and more. In security, meet the new hacking tools, same as the old hacking tools, a reverse Uno card, QNAP, and the University of Minnesota. All right, so during the music in the intro, I realized that I was bobbing my head back and forth like I was listening to the music, but I'm not. So just in case anybody looking at my face is uh, curious whether or not I was hearing the music, I was not. That's just in my head, I think. So uh, b- before You're I get... You're with God's downbeat. The rest of us are still with the band. I, I'm telling you, I used to play drums a lot. Now I think about playing drums a lot. And yeah, it's still it's still ingrained, I think. Just keeping time is ingrained in me for some reason. Well, Owen asked me to sing the theme song for next episode, so stay tuned <gasps> for that. Oh, I'm excited. I am. Yep. And who wrote the lyrics? Oh, it's easy. It just goes like this. <laughs> so 
We have a question. I have a question. I don't know. I'm just going to force everybody else to do it, I think. But I have a question. Is there any interest? And now that I have you in the front of the show where you can't skip anymore, otherwise you might miss something interesting if you like this segment, this is the perfect time to ask it. So if you like to watch live or have considered watching live or have decided to not watch live because our faces are not plastered on YouTube or, I don't know, wherever we decide to start streaming this stuff, um, do you care? Does having video of us on a live stream do it for you? Uh, I mean, if, if so, I mean, you could look. You could just you could look at this pretty face. If it does uh, it for you, you could pay me five ninety nine a month and. Um, I look, look. We have our own. I, I like to. <laughs> I give the friends and family discount. That's it. The one nine hundred number, but it's one eight hundred if you're calling as a friend or family. That's it. <laughs> Toll free. Call now. But. Yeah, uh, just a quick question, right? D does that matter to you? Would you like that? Um, because right now, what well, we have... Oh, we already got one, Aussie Evie. Uh, thanks for that. Um, yeah, because right now, if you're watching the live stream, all you get is the, the Mintcast logo and some green bars. Uh, I'm doing this to the camera. I'm not doing it to anybody. I don't know why I did that. But um, you get green bars, that kind of that uh, visualizer. That, that's all you get. So we already have one vote for yeah. If you like video or if you want us to you know put our faces out there um let me know you can see my kitty uh, yeah okay Aww. here's one thing about that thing i didn't know it was a kitty now i pictured <laughs> joe i pictured you had like a german shepherd that was no, running I got around two black labs okay and you you had mentioned that that's what it was you had mentioned that and i just imagined big dog running across the floor and there were bells but it was never the dog it's my kitty <laughs> All right, Walter. Okay. So anyway, on with the show now that I have uh, uh, stolen your ears for a little bit. On with the show. The show is all about me, obviously, because oh, why not? Uh, Thunderbird, here's the deal. I, for some reason, have this thing about privacy. And one thing that I would like to do is remove myself one additional step away from Google. And one of the ways that I do that is... By using a mail client, right? I mean, they get less JavaScript vacuuming up of everywhere my eyes go because certainly they're hooked into some camera somewhere, right? Okay, that's a little tinfoily. But they do know where my mouse is, and that makes a big difference. And one thing I can do to combat that is to use a mail client, and the mail client that I think everybody knows, regardless of whether you prefer it, is Thunderbird. It's one of the longest-lived mail clients, especially on Linux, out there. So that's what I hopped on to, and it works. You type in, I mean, me, I type in leo at mincast.org, and it's like, hey, cool, here you go, da-da-da. Here's all the information, click done, and there's all my emails. Easy. But we were tinkering around with elementary OS for a little bit, and they give you, I think it's Geary. Is that right? Elementary? Probably. Yes, yep, know. Geary. Yes. Ah, I'm glad you know. I'm glad somebody knows. So... Right, the very first time I tried to use Geary was in Flatpak on Mint, and the first time I typed in those credentials, it was like I don't know what any of this is. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'll manually drop in i imap.gmail. Whatever it is, and still at the end of it, it was like yeah, I don't know what this is. So I can't use Geary. I don't know what the deal is. A while back, I tried to use Geary, and it worked. It did detect, and it was like you can't do this. Gmail has uh, some settings that don't allow you to do this. And so I dug into it. It's OAuth. Geary doesn't support OAuth, and it just won't let you do that without 
cranking down your security settings. Now, I'm a privacy wonk, right? I tend to also like security stuff, so I don't want to do those things. So it was just Thunderbird for me. Um, I think I tried Epiphany, not Epiphany, that's a browser, the other one, Evolution. And that was so complicated, I, I, I just I dropped it. Um, so really, it's just Thunderbird for me. But my question is, Geary is super simple. Why doesn't it support Gmail out of the box? OAuth, where are you in Geary? Well, we were going to be doing a report on uh, email uh, programs like that uh, for its moss. And they assigned me MailSpring. And MailSpring won't even think about looking at uh, ProtonMail. So and they're proprietary, I, I right? My thing, yeah. Well, they just they just open source, but they have. Source, but yeah. Okay. But well, I think uh, Dale's going to be doing um, uh, Thunderbird. I don't even remember what Dylan's going to be doing, but they stuck me with uh, MailSpring, and I couldn't open uh, Proton Mail, so it was useless to me. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't think Proton Mail works with anything. Proton Mail, you actually need to get their. Uh, I don't know if it works for the other clients, but I know it at the very least for Thunderbird. They have a bridge that you download uh, oh. directly from Proton, but you have to be a paid subscriber in order to access the bridge. Uh, uh, so it, it's going to be that that bridge is key shuffling, I imagine. Yeah, because exactly. you need to be able to decrypt your email. Yeah, right. And so it does it all on the fly on your local machine when you when you have the bridge installed. Yeah, with something like that, I mean, because Proton Mail checks so many boxes on the privacy and security side of everything for me, I'm. I'm happy to just use the web or the app on the phone. Like th those are okay. I, the the volume of mail that I get in those inboxes is so small because I don't share that email address with anybody. Um, it's so small that I what I check it once a week. You know, it's no big deal. So uh, Moss, honestly, if you want me to, uh, I don't know, I can maybe contribute a little bit about Thunderbird and my my wondering about Geary to you. Not a problem. Get uh, get in touch with Dale on that one. I think he's handling the Thunderbird part of the article. Will do. I like Thunderbird. You know, long story short, I like Thunderbird. It works well. I have deleted well over 10,000 emails out of a single inbox because of Thunderbird. So thanks, Thunderbird. When you, uh, when you, when you eventually do end up paying for the Proton suite, Leo, you can, uh, you can actually switch Proton over to being your, your main mailbox. Um, I did the same thing. I got rid of my old Gmail and Outlook accounts when I started paying for Proton. And uh, just simply by using the aliases that they allow you to create, you can have five active aliases at a time if you're a paid customer. Oh. So you can just use, you know, I have my main uh, email address that I don't give out to any company at all. It's just for regular people. And then I've just made aliases for other things. Like I have shopping aliases and, uh, you know, probably potentially spam aliases that I use for like list signups and things like that. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, but that, okay, that, that reminds me of another, another question that I had. So I own leochavez.org, right? Mm -hmm. I have from from my uh, what do you call it domain name registrar. They allow me to have one email address on that domain mm -hmm. for free. So what should it be? Because I feel like it's weird saying Leo at leochavez.org. Like that's if, if in my mind it's like that's too repetitive, but it's easy to remember, I guess. What what should I do? I think it's pretty great. Let's say I didn't want Leo. What 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 would I do? God, you could do root. <laughs> Root at leochavez.com. Hey, what's your middle name? Uh-uh. We already said it was Esteban. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, De La what's Cruz. your first cat's name? Um, what's your mother's maiden name? Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. De Sanchez, de, uh, I don't know, Gonzalez, Gon, whatever. You know, just just add them in there. It's, it's, it's typical, right? So the last thing that I've been doing or not doing 
is signing up for the new egg shuffles. I don't know if you guys under, know what these are, but new egg shuffles are basically uh, because there are graphics cards and CPUs that are unattainable on the market right now. They get small stock, and then they basically randomly seed people and give it give them the chance to purchase it if you buy it within like twelve hours of getting the notification, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't but know. Why not just go for an iGPU? Oh wait, that's right. You can't find them anywhere either. Well, I wouldn't want. I mean, to be honest, well, no, uh, to get you by until 2023 when graphics cards are available again, uh, AMD makes some pretty decent ones. The only problem is, is their 4000 series is only available in prepackaged systems and the 3000 series of um, integrated GPUs doesn't really exist. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lucky for me, I'm not looking for that type of CPU or a graphics card. My graphics card's fine. 58, 5700 XT. I'm good with that. The, the thing that I'm looking for is the 5900X. I don't need a 5900X, but I want a 5900X. Well, doesn't everybody want a 5900X? Right, but, you know, because my, my thought is it's, it's 12 cores, which is four more than what I have. And but you should get the 4750G, but you can't. Well, and then the, uh, you know, okay, look, let me tell you why I want a 5900X. It's not so I can play games. It's not so I can compile things faster, and it's not so that my web surfing is better. It's so that when I launch BPyTop, I have more lines. That's that's it. That's all I want. I'll, I'll pay an extra hundred dollars for well, more then lines. Get the get the uh, the the Ryzen nine. The oh, can you you can't even buy that either. The fifty nine fifty. That's a sixteen core. That would be yeah. even more lines. But I think that's eight or nine hundred dollars. So no. The Threadripper. <laughs> oh, that too. Uh, no, that is way out. You need a special motherboard for that. I'm I'm looking for still looking for consumer grade. Stuff not AMD Ryzen Threadripper 3970X 32 core 64 thread. That's a lot of numbers, but you know, I'm not Linus Tech Tips, I don't get sent this stuff for free, so it's just you know, a little over two thousand dollars. That's it. Oh, just that's, take, that that's... Out of, take that out of our petty cash for the show, right? Right, right. I mean, that, take, that, take is, that out of the donations. That is more <laughs> than I want. That two thousand dollars is more than I want to spend for the entire build. That's like more, more than double what I would want to spend on an entire I mean, build. I'm yeah. shooting for reusing a couple parts, and I'm shooting for like 1200 Like, that's it. And I'll keep that for three uh, to five years. So you can build a decent <laughs> no. machine for 600 bucks, and then not just with upgrade a 5900X? Probably not with a 5900X, but you can't get a 5900X. So right. just so upgrade later. I'm hoping for the shuffle, uh, but... Uh, I'll probably just settle for the 5800, and then if I can get my hands on a 5900 one day, I'll give the 58 to my wife and keep the 59 for myself. So maybe one day, but that day is not today because Newegg doesn't pick me. You know, I'd like to get a Threadripper just for building AUR packages. Man, that stuff takes a long time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. That's what you get for being on uh, an Arch variant, man. Uh, I'd like to get a Threadripper just to have a Threadripper. Yeah, that's true, too. Just, to, just like Arch, you can say you have a Threadripper. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Wonder what the power consumption is on 280 watt TDP. Yeah, it's basically yeah. all of the Bitcoin network running at the same time. Hey, that's it. NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I'll I'll shut up now and uh, let Joe take over. Oh, is it my turn already? Okay. No, but I'm no. It's fine. You can. Uh, I was enjoying talking about uh, GPUs. Yeah, and, me too. And, and CPUs. Yeah, but, but the, um, the show has to end sometime. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been able to do much over the last couple of weeks because um, I had to go to Florida for a funeral. Um, it was kind of short notice that we had to leave. 
My grandpa died on Wednesday, and we were in Florida by Friday. Um, we spent a week there, and I didn't do much of a setup. Uh, the internet connection was not very good, and so I couldn't work because the kids needed to do school. Um, do they? Do they I, really need yeah, do school? Yeah, my, I mean, my my senior has missed a lot of school already and has to do a whole bunch of makeup classes, despite the fact that she doesn't have to go anywhere to actually attend class. This is my favorite thing about video, by the way, and why you on the live stream should probably be watching this. Joe is like the eyes. Did you? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt me. And I wasn't even in trouble. Ah. Yeah. Evidently, I have a glare. I have a death glare. It works. But um, so, yes, they had to attend. And she still has more school to make up. But I will say um, she did get 100% on her pre-cal exam. So. Wow. Uh, I can't complain about that. She She's currently passing pre-cal. The kids did school all week. I mean, the internet connection was really slow, but um, like my dad couldn't watch television because he was using my Plex the whole week while the kids were doing their multitude of Zoom calls. Now, for my setup, I did take my new tablet and my laptop. Um, I also took a USB 3.0 screen. Um, one of the ones that uses uh, display link technology. Uh, the screen was a bit of a bust. It didn't want to work right when it was hooked up. Everything kind of lagged out. But I think the issue might have been an aging cable. But um, between my tablet and my laptop, I did set up Barrier, which is the open source variant of Synergy from before they went behind a paywall. Um, and that worked actually pretty good. Uh, it had a lot of the exact same issues that Synergy had uh, back before they went behind the paywall. And yes, I did pay for Synergy and could have used the paid version, but I went with this anyway. Um, so after a while, just latency kind of builds up between the two. I think they just get out of sync and don't want to work correctly uh, between the two. And then you have to... Uh, turn off the server and the client and then turn them both back on and you should be fine again after that. But, um, you know, one mouse and keyboard between two devices was extremely helpful. Um, it was a terrible reason to go. Um, I really miss my grandpa. He helped raise me. I lived with him for a while and he always, well, for a long time during my high school years, he lived close by. So that way, I could go and hang out with him at his house for a while. But um, I, I got to see a lot of family that I had not seen in like 20 to 30 or more years. And I'm really hoping that we all don't do that again without, you know, go that long without visiting each other again. Now, as I was leaving the house um, to go to Florida, I had an issue with my router that I was still diagnosing and I had to switch my server over to Wi-Fi because the Ethernet was not working. So um, I, I, when I got back, you know, I started the process of checking it a little further. I found out that only one of my Ethernet out ports was working um, and the Wi-Fi has been extremely intermittent in, in the past where either the 2.5 gigahertz range or the 5 gigahertz range you'd be able to connect to it, but it wouldn't have any internet and nobody else would have the problem. So essentially I needed a new router. 
Um, I did have a bunch of Linksys mesh routers that I haven't used yet. They're still in the box, but um, I considered using them because Leo was complaining about it. And my issue with them is that you have to create an account with Linksys to use it and how it has to, you have to use a phone application to control it, either Android or iOS. Uh, there's no way to actually control it from a desktop, even after the firmware update. I had totally forgotten about that point. Um, yeah, you can skip sending those to me. No. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. so Joe, you, you have to create an account with Linksys just to use their routers? Yes, just to set up their router. That's oh, it's ridiculous. like it's no. So Linksys was owned by uh, Cisco, and Cisco does Meraki. I don't think that that doesn't happen anymore. Like I think Belkin bought them or something like that. But the idea persisted, and Meraki is the same way. Where you know you you make the mistake of you know deciding that you don't want to pay their exorbitant fees anymore, and they're like, ha, now your switch doesn't work. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that. there wasn't any fees or anything associated with setting it up. That I could oh, no, tell. There is a fee, the privacy fee and the security yeah. fee. And when yeah. they inevitably have a breach, your everything fee. Right. Yeah. No, there's a yeah. fee. Just not but money. It, 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 it was annoying to set up. But the, the worst point of that for me, other than the security issue and them having my information and the fact that you have to go out to the Internet to be able to do anything locally, is the fact that you have to control it from your phone as opposed to from some type of web interface. I, 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 I mean, seriously, why I'm going to set up port forwarding and type out the entire uh, port number every time I want to set up a port forwarding to a specific device, I have to type out the entire IP address on my phone. No, I'm not going to do it. But, um, I may end up using some of them as Wi-Fi extenders if I need them, but I really don't think that I will. Um, now, it was also suggested to me that I set up a PFSense box and yes. make my own router. Yes, do that. I have done most of that process in the past with some um, travel setups. I know I've discussed them with uh, setting up um And you PF love it? Sense on and a, you're going to do it again? On and a netbook? No, I probably will. I probably will do it you're, again. You're going to hack in WireGuard because of that whole free BSD craziness that went on a few weeks uh, ago? And well, WireGuard is still considered to be insecure. Um, it would probably cost less than, than, you know, the quick solution that I actually went with. But the quick solution, um, well, one, it was quick. And two, it was also spouse approved. I mean, setting up my own router is great and all, but um, spousal approval simply wouldn't be there. Um, I may go with the option later and just, you know, really take my time with uh, ordering the parts and getting it all set up. But for now, I bought another Asus router and um, you know, it was a slightly higher end model and I did get the three year warranty on it. So... And it does have Wi-Fi 6, and I found out that my Note 10 Plus actually does Wi-Fi 6. But, um, yeah, it's a good router, and um, I, I haven't done most of the port forwarding setup that I had on there previously, and I still need to route back in the um, um, Pi Hole. But um, uh, I'll do the Pi Hole, and then I have the port forward for SSH, um, random port number on the outside, correct port number on the inside. 
and I have it set up for um, forwarding for uh, Plex. And um, that's, oh, and I'm able to control it from my Alexa, but I might turn that off for security concerns on my part. But um, yeah, I'm quite happy with the solution for now, despite it being a bit more expensive than I wanted to pay. Moss, what have you been up to? Well, as you can perhaps hear, I'm moderately ill. The trees are having sex again, and they're using my sinuses without my consent. <laughs> Ew. Mm, yeah, it's not fun. Usually, white oak is the worst. I think we just got done with maple. I've been using Bodhi 6 beta, and it's just actually, it's now a release candidate. I need to fix that. And I've just removed my last installation of 5.1. It's that good. I have also downloaded and started to configure Ubuntu DVE Remix 21.04 and continue to use Makulu Linux Lindos. Try and say that when you've got teeth which are not your own. Makulukuluku. They're your teeth if you paid for them. That's true, but they don't feel like they are. (laughs) I took a peek at Ubuntu Unity Remix 2104, but it's still Unity. Love the dev, hate the desktop. I have also added every Ubuntu flavor and spin for 21.04 I'm aware of onto the Super Ventoy stick. If you've missed that, I've I've got a 256 gigabyte uh, SSD that uh, I've got every bloody thing I've got the latest version as a Ventoy stick. That's how I'm doing my Ventoy as well. And my God, it's fast. That's my favorite thing. I lied. It's a 128. Oh, well, still, an SSD. I mean, when you drag... Okay, so the the whole Linux thing where you got to, like, safely remove or whatever, like, I drag and drop the ISO, and it's even faster than it was before, right? Because it was lying to you before. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I totally did copy. Eject 12 minutes later. You know, Uh like... But now, I can eject, and it's like, I got you, man. And you, like, almost... with With a couple of seconds, it's done. Huh, so I'm still using the old version, I guess. But well, um, the uh, the the answer to the question of how do you get Linux to you know quickly eject your disk is to spend lots and lots of money on a really fast disk, right? <laughs> that the answer to every question, which is just have a lot of money. Well, I'm uh, that's the solution to a lot of problems. Josh has got me hooked on silicon power now, but uh, good little uh, the USB card, boy, I'm. Okay, let's get back on track here. Uh, I have now put out episodes of Full Circle Weekly News for four consecutive weeks. This week's show, my fifth, has been delayed due to the scriptwriter being away from home, but I'll get it done as soon as I get the script. I usually record on Saturday. Distro Hopper's Digest will be recorded this Wednesday. It might be just Dale and myself. Tony actually was starting to talk about he would make it anyhow, so we don't know for sure, but uh, we'll do what we can. Well, he's on a retreat, and that's why the show is late. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> and Co. <laughs> uh, that Quaker Co. <laughs> that's it. I didn't have my oatmeal today, so. Uh, the school year is winding down. April was my best month yet, although I was literally too exhausted to work on three days I was called on. Uh, May may be weak as the seniors graduate on the 13th, and the last day of school, which is a half day, is the 26th. School then adjourns until August 4th. My daughter will be uh, out of school as well. Um, And she's still doing it remote. So, I mean, honestly, things won't be that much different. (laughs) So I get a week paycheck on June 20th and then nothing until September 20th. 
Well, you don't really need money, do you? I don't. No. He's got the trees. Exactly. He's he he's independently the trees wealthy. For sustenance, that's it. No. Money is just another addiction. I, I'm independently poor. <laughs> now, see, the trees have been donating pollen to Moss's face. Yeah, so I can't all trade you. that in on my crypto exchange. <laughs> uh, man, Coinbase is not is is just no. We can't give you Doge uh, for pollen. Is that what <laughs> pollen? That's not even a coin. SAP. All right. In the book corner, I'm on Turncoat in the Dresden series. What is that? Number eleven. Something 14, like isn't it? Duh. I'm losing count. I'll run out soon. I don't know, later. man. I don't, I don't read that. <laughs> Turncoat's a good one. I'm starting the Expanse series, also reading it to my wife. I have read The Butcher of Anderson Station. I'm about to start Leviathan Wakes. That's books 0.5 and 1.0. I've pre-ordered a book called Rainmaker, Zora Neale Hurston versus the Lovecraftian Mythos by one of my favorite authors, Ed Erdelak which should be delivered on Tuesday, and which I'll be reading over the phone to an old friend. According to Alan Lomax, there was some uh, oath that Zora Neale Hurston had to take, this is back like 1920s, 1930s, that she never disclosed. And apparently this book finds out what those oaths were and discloses them. And it has something to do with Lovecraft. <laughs> Anyhow, sounds exciting. Ed is a great author. I've also been learning lots from The Founding Myth by Andrew Seidel, a book on whether the U.S. government and constitution were based on Judeo-Christian morality, a point-by-point -point response to the populist Christian nationalism, which is currently ripping the country apart. That sounds like some good light reading. It is. It's wonderful <laughs> stuff. Seidel knows his stuff. Anyhow, as to my being independently wealthy, my ship has not yet come in. The Homeless Produce Project has been on the doorstep for a month. It's like we're there. They got the door open, but... We're not able to move through it as a force field or something. We're still waiting for the county to deliver the deed to mom's house to the executor before it can be sold to fund the various inheritances. When that happens, I'm going to be doing okay. I just blew my microphone out. Sorry about that. Uh, in the meantime, why don't I pass it to Mike? I've been talking too much. Well, I don't really do a lot, so I don't have a lot to say today. So let's just rush through it and get it over with. I... Uh... I've been spending a lot of time with Endeavor OS lately. I think I've probably mentioned that more than a handful of times. Um, I started uh, contributing to it, and, you know, just five bucks a month, nothing big, but uh, been trying to help out on their forums and on their Telegram uh, Telegram channel as well. Uh, I really like it. I started, uh, I took off, or what I, sh what I should actually say is I uh, condensed one of, my, uh, one of my other computers. I decided to dual boot Endeavor onto it. Um, which is my Lenovo. It's an IdeaPad. Um, it's a really good computer. It has eight gigabytes of RAM on it, which is my only issue with it. But uh, I decided to dual boot that. I have Mint as my main drive, and then I put Endeavor on a uh, 40 gigabyte partition. I was a little confused uh, doing that because I'm not really much of a dual booter, so I don't have a lot of experience in that realm. So when it came time to... Uh, what I was trying to do was just uh, cleave off 20 gigabytes from my Mint distro, my Mint partition and add it to Endeavor. And the issue that I was having was that that free space that I cleared up from Mint was sitting right in between, right in the middle of Endeavor and Mint. And every time I tried to move it over to the Endeavor partition, um, Gparty was just giving me a big warning saying about how that particular partition may be unlikely to boot if I move it. Um, I don't know. It, it turned out to be really not a big deal at all. I just moved it over to the left and then added the free space on to the end. And it works just fine. Uh, another project that I took care of over the last two weeks that was kind of time-consuming was I have a lot of Kindle eBooks. I have 
probably about 230 some odd books now that I've bought over the last 10 years. And uh, I was reading an article recently about a man who is suing Apple right now because they, he did something to them that upset them and they decided to block his account. And so he lost what he claims to be $25,000 worth of movies and TV shows and, and apps and all that other stuff that he's bought from Apple over the years. And it got me thinking that, I, you know, I, I had heard something similar at some point in the past about Amazon locking people out of their accounts for perceived infractions. And I, I definitely don't want to well, lose access to all of these books. What's that? It's, it's not just locking out of accounts. Um, yeah, Apple's had the problem before and Amazon has had the problem before. Well, they'll sell you a movie, but then they lose the rights to the movie. So they don't have it on their servers anymore. So guess what you don't have anymore? Right. And that actually the same exact thing happened with Amazon and in one of the books uh, about three or four years ago. I want to say it was probably Catcher in the Rye, but I'm not 100% certain on that. But um, Amazon at one point had the rights to sell it and then lost the rights. And so they actually removed whatever particular book it was off of people's Hold on, wait, accounts. We're, we're, we're missing the headline. Amazon forces sales, forces, forces uh, Catcher in the Rye to be, uh, stop being sold. So, you know, we need to be really angry about that, right? Because that's one of those canceled books. Well, we're about three or four years too late to uh, be angry on it. But so I decided I would uh, not tempt fate and that I would take possession of my own books that I paid for myself. So I decided to uh, try and strip them of Amazon's DRM. If I had known what a huge process it was getting into it, I, I don't know that I would have continued with it. But uh, too late now. It's yeah, it's it's difficult. <laughs> so all no, the research that I... Problem with it. So here's what I did. Maybe you have a better way than what I've done, but from the instructions that I could find, uh, they said it works best doing it on Windows. So I had to do it through a VM. And what I ended up doing was in order to get the books actually onto my, onto my machine itself, I had to download an old, ancient version of the Kindle for PC reader. Um, it's something about a maybe two or three-year-old version now. Because for some reason, after that particular version, they did they changed something about it that, that prevents this whole process. So I had to download the old version of Kindle for PC. And then I had to download Calibre, which is an ebook manager. Yep. And then from there, I also had to get a, a plugin for it called DDRM. And that's what actually allows you to strip the DRM from Kindle books. All of that was slightly a pain. But then the thing that I found that was really time-consuming is that unless there's a way, Joe, that you know of that I, I couldn't find... I could literally only do about five books at a time, wait for them to finish, and then move on to the next five after that. So I couldn't do my entire library, you know, just push a button and let it run by itself. I had to sit there throughout the entire process and, and babysit it, which was kind of annoying. Uh, it took probably two, two and a half hours or so, maybe three hours to get, get it all done. But uh, eventually, at the end of the day, I, I was able to strip the DRM out of almost all of my books. Uh, there were a couple one-offs that I couldn't get for some reason, but I'll, I'll go back and mess with that later on. I got the majority of them, and that's what, uh, that's what ultimately matters to me. Uh, last night, this is, this is right up your alley, Leo. I was trying to install, mm -hmm. install World of Warcraft Classic. I haven't played this game since World of Warcraft Classic was World of Warcraft. So I figured it would be a good jumping off point. And I figured with, you know, my PC, I don't run NVIDIA or AMD. I just have Intel graphics. So I figured the, the classic would be the way to go anyway. And just in terms I'm, of... It, if you've got nothing to do for 10 days of played time, then yeah, 1 to 60, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of time. 240 hours, man. Yeah. Know. But I couldn't... I haven't no, done the books in a couple of, well, years. 
But uh, back when I did it before, there was a way to download it directly onto a Linux system and, and then basically load it into Caliber and convert it to something else. And that was it. Maybe there's an ADB function or something that you could do. It could be. Um, I, I tried. I, I mean, I definitely searched first for, for Kindle or for, excuse me, for Linux centric uh, solutions. And I tried one thing. I tried just getting Caliber and the DDRM plugin, and for some reason, it, it just wasn't working for me. I couldn't. Uh, and I think I think it has to do with that with that weird thing that I was mentioning, where you have to get that ancient version of Kindle for PC to actually download the books. Because for some reason, I wasn't able. I just wasn't able to get them. You download it to a Kindle tablet, and then hook the tablet up to your computer, and then transfer it over. Uh, yeah, that would have been useful. I, got, I unfortunately got rid of my uh, Kindle tablets a couple of years ago. I well, just have the book your reader. Android phone. iOS. Well, doesn't it, iOS have a Kindle app? It has a Kindle app, yeah. But it, do, it won't allow me to... Uh, you, you can't rip from, from uh, iOS onto a, onto a PC like that. And as a matter of fact, I can't even connect iOS to Linux at all. There are oh, literally no good solutions for that. I when I mean I can't get to everything, but when I plug it in, just out of the box, it's like here, here are all your saved files from all the apps that you have. Yeah, for some reason, Kindle doesn't do that. I think because of uh, their DRM, they don't want you to pull it. They don't want you ripping it off the uh, the app. Well, right. Yeah. Surprisingly, then, then you might actually have access to your books. Like, yeah, imagine <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, you, we can't take the power away from Amazon. That'd be crazy. Yeah. So I mean, it, it was a pain, and and like I said, I'm sure there are probably better ways to do it, but. The way that I did it was the best way I could find, and it got done eventually. Yeah, Warcraft. Wow, that was uh, that was pretty rough last night. So I uh, again, I have absolutely no experience with this. So tell me if the instructions that I followed, Leo, sound correct to you, because this is what I did. Okay. So I went on to uh, went on to Lutris first, and I downloaded Lutris. Now, oh, I should also mention I did not do this on Mint. I did this through uh, Endeavor because it just seemed a bit mm-hmm. easier to get the things that I need on Arch than it did. There was your problem right there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so what I did was I uh, I downloaded Lutris. Uh, I downloaded Wine Staging and all the i386 packages needed for that. Um, I downloaded, I went onto the Lutris page and I grabbed their installer. So I downloaded their installer. I let that run and set everything up. And then once it did that, I signed into the blizzard.net. Once I got that opened up, that, that opened up perfect. There were no issues with that. Um, once I opened up Blizzard.net, it wanted me to actually install the Warcraft game. So I allowed it to do that. And then that's where all the problems ran. So as soon as it finished downloading, every time I tried to open it, it said that my 3D uh, accelerator was not compatible with this and just cold stopped me right there. I, I could never launch the game. I, I couldn't figure out any options that I was missing. So did you went through the entire Vulcan thing, right? Like where you have to install the little... Uh... I guess translation layers that allow your, uh, you know, your video card to speak Vulcan and then translate that from DirectX. Yes and no. Uh, so what I did was when I was running the installer script from Lutris, there were a bunch of pop-ups that it gave me saying that there were certain things missing. Uh, mono was oh, one of them. Yeah, no, that's like Gecko and Mono and and the fonts and stuff. That's that's not it. Uh, th- there's a bunch of stuff that you've got to do prior to actually installing. Well, prior prior to launching the game. Um, and one of those things is the Vulkan renderer. That's that's the way that uh, Lutris is trying to run this thing. So um, Wine needs Vulkan and to, to to get the DirectX calls that WoW does translated to Vulkan so that Wine can actually display them onto your screen. And without that, yeah, it, it will stop you at that point. Um, and I think this is this is why it's easier on Mint. Uh, but then again, 
I don't. So when you go to Lutris and you look up World of Warcraft and it tells you, you know, click install to get the script and do all this. There's a link in that in the little description that says here are the instructions to do before you click the install button. Uh, how did you do all of that? No, I didn't do any of that. So See, once I, <laughs> when I ran uh, Lutris, it, it kept giving me these pop ups saying you're you're missing mono, uh, you're missing Vulcan. Um, it's a, it's better if you get it from your own distributions package repositories, but we can install it for you. We can download and install it for you if you'd like. I just hit yes on all of that and let them do the download and installing of it. I don't know if maybe that's the problem, but um, I let oh, you know what? It all. I'm looking at it now and it doesn't have that link there. Oh, ha! What? Hold on. It, yeah, but it's on. Oh, wow. Okay, it's on the real World of Warcraft one but not on the classic one, there is a link that takes you to their wiki that is gameworldofwarcraft.com, which is funny because it takes you to a link that just gives you a link to move to the actual place where the wiki is. <laughs> um, but yeah, you got to install some dependencies on the Blizzard app, which apparently you don't. Uh, you, you made it through. But I think when I go through this, a lot of times um, Ubuntu already has all that installed. It's the 32-bit stuff that you need to force in there sometimes. But that's really it. You just have to install like uh, lib GNU utils, uh, lib LDAP, lib GPG. Um, but that doesn't prevent the game from launching. But you do need to... Oh, wow. Things have changed. So basically what you're saying is this is more Lutris's fault for being unclear than it is my fault, right? I, I think so. I th well, I mean, because the, those things are written by the community and I guess they didn't add that link. Because in that link that is on the real one and not the classic one, uh, it's got how to install Wine, how to get Wine staging, it uh, how to enable DXVK, which is installing the Vulkan renderer and the correct driver for your thing. Um, what what graphics card do you have? Is it AMD or NVIDIA? Uh, it, I was using it on my Lenovo, so that was a uh, Intel. Oh, Intel. Okay, so you'll you'll follow the Intel AMD instructions, and it's uh, yeah, here they are. So Wine dependencies, what you need to do for Wine. Vulcan capable GPU, which uh, starting at Skylake, I think it's it's capable. So six thousand series or above. Yeah, I have Whiskey um, Lake. Perfect. So then uh, driver support for DXVK and then the Vulcan loader. Those those two things at the bottom are really what is stopping you. So I bet you here I'll send you the link to this. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll put it in YouTube too, just in case anybody needs it there. Yeah, perfect. No, that 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 makes sense then, because I didn't do any of that. So that probably explains why it wasn't working for me. There, I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. That way, uh, it'll be um, yeah, it'll be in the show notes when I release that out. So yeah, I bet you follow those steps. It'll it'll work like a charm after that because that's really all I have to do for uh, for Mint as well. Is if I if I make sure I do uh, all those weird uh, things for the Blizzard app to work, and then the Vulcan render and Vulcan driver, which the driver's fine already. You're likely fine because you're on Mesa and that's super up to date. It's the Vulcan renderer uh, loader that you need. Uh, okay, so that's, maybe that's what they were referring to when they were saying that my 3D graphics accelerator wasn't compatible. Yep, yep. nothing to talk to. Vulcan wasn't there. Mm. All right, well, I guess I know what I'll be doing with my next two weeks then, so expect <laughs> an update on the next show for that. Yes, okay. And then uh, in six years, uh, you'll be level 60, so then expect an update then as well. Sweet. Yeah, I just want, I want, to, get my, uh, I want to get the Night Elf so I can dress him up like uh, Mr. T from the old commercials. Oh, that's right. Night Elf Mohawk. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I love those commercials. But yeah, that's that's been it for my last two weeks. Just messing around with, uh, or just aggravating myself with some, uh, but taking the more difficult route through a lot of stuff. And that's about it. Sorry, I was I was linking a link. Uh, 
Anyway, that'll do it for uh, the bi-weekly wandering. So we'll head on down uh, to the news. In the news, the news about the news, we have Linux Mint monthly news. And this particular monthly news is actually a lot bigger than we are used to. It's got a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, and first up is Warpinator, you say. You knew about this, right? But you didn't know that Warpinator now works on Android. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Being able to move files uh, from your Android phone to your Linux desktop and back and forth and back and forth has got to be one of the coolest features um, of any app. It doesn't matter if it's Warpinator or not. That's just a fantastic way to deal with things. And my favorite thing about this is that the, the instructions are clear out there. So there's an, there's an implementation for iOS likely in the works. That's what he was saying. Yeah, it's on the way. Do this himself. The team sort of right. uh, sat back and let some external developer do it. And you can find it in your Google Play Store. Yep, that's, that's the most fantastic part about this is that the way that, and people always give Linux Mint and Clem and Co. like a really bad rap for not being nice to the community. Except for everything they build is out in the open and anybody can take advantage of it in any way they choose. And this is proof positive that that is the case because Clem had nothing to do with this implementation. He's just really happy that it's there. Well, Leo, you know who did it, right? Who? It was Cop Ninja. No, was it really? Yes, yes. Ah, that's fantastic. So we were talking, um, I guess it was in between this episode and last episode that we need to, we need to, you know, shout these guys out more often. And, and um, was it not Cobb Ninja's name that I was not 100% on how to pronounce his real name? No, that was uh, Zeno Peak that you were a little oh. hung up. And, and Cobb Ninja, if you're listening, I know it's not actually Cobb Ninja, but I can't pronounce it the way you have it. So I think Cobb Ninja sounds cool. So there you go. <laughs> he's like, he's like a, 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 a ninja that lives in the cellar up in the corner that, you know, gets a little dusty up there. Oh, see, I was That's thinking he was like is. a ninja that just like throws corn on the cob instead of shrikens. Even better. Oh, wow. And then when it hits you, just like little little yellow corns just like explode just, yeah. out. Yeah. Popcorn everywhere. And that way it can still be PG because it's not blood, right? <laughs> exactly. So that that's fantastic. I mean, but the the fact that anybody can reach in and do this kind of stuff and that, that he's hoping for an iOS port as well is just fantastic. But if you are a Linux dev, and you happen to also be an Apple dev, which I imagine that's like a Venn diagram that that just hardly overlaps. But if you're that one, I think this is something that, uh, I mean, I know I'd pay five bucks for this, for this app. I mean, this is one of the things that I, I see all the time. Oh, look at this KDE uh, Connect and G Connect or whatever it is for GNOME. And I'm sitting out here like that little gif of the guy sitting out in the rain getting rained on. He's just really, really sad. That's me every time I hear all this because I refuse to go back to Android, but that also kneecaps me when, it, when I have to deal with anything on the Linux side. So I can get a shell. I can you know get a shell and run commands and do all that stuff. But outside of that, it's pretty sketchy on iOS. But speaking of shells, shells.com. Go to shells.com slash mint. I'm just kidding. We don't have that. But there is a partnership between Linux Mint and Shells.com where you can just spin up a Linux Mint desktop in the cloud. Ooh. This thing sounds so cool. I, I was actually reading about it a few days before uh, Clem talked about it in the blog post. And 
man, I wish I had a use for this so bad. I, same, same, same. But it's it's about the same price as a uh, uh, lino.com slash mint. No, we don't have that either. <laughs> uh, and do.co slash mint. Nope, not that either. But all of that, it's the same idea, except you get a full-blown desktop instead of just, you know, a the terminal prompt, right? And you can do anything. Even Clem mentions that you can just install any kind of server package that Ubuntu has already built in uh, onto it and treat it as a server. Joe, this is kind of, uh, and, I, and I got you with food in your mouth. See, this is why I like video. Um, this is right up your alley, right? Because you refuse to use a server as a server and you just slap a GUI on it for some awful reason. <laughs> well, while Joe's chilling, because chilling, it's let's, fun. Right. Let's actually, let's, ta let's talk about what this actually is. So it's basically a virtual machine that you can bring with you in the cloud on any device, any device with a web browser, you can access what is basically this virtual machine and it's all stored in the cloud for you waiting to go at any time. See, Mike, this is why I needed you here. You keep me on the rails because uh, I was totally, yeah, we totally missed what all of this was <laughs> until you said it. Thanks. But it, it's, it's fantastic, right? So, I mean, if you've got this local, it's one thing, but if you have it living in the cloud, it's a totally different thing. And, I mean, if you don't need a whole lot of RAM and storage and everything else, it looked to be like $6 a month to be, you know, hosting one of these things in the cloud and then just use it whenever you want to, log into it. It's 24-7. You never have to shut it down. It's, it's fantastic. I think this is a really good thing um, on top of, I don't know, if you've got extra cash to throw around for a mint box, right? You can just have all the things be official. Well, $6 a month isn't bad, depending on how much memory they have. What was that other one that was doing the $5 a month boxes? Oh, that's Linode. Uh, Linode? Linode yeah, and, and uh, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean yeah, is the one I those was don't give of. you a desktop. Right, right. Not not out of the box. I imagine you could do desktop well, and X to go. It's not hard to set up. It's really not. And then you use X to go to get to it. Yeah, but this is not for folks like you, Joe, that uh, know all the commands for all of the things. This is for everybody else. And I think it's worth the extra buck to not have to go through all of that. Though, if you can go through all of that, you're you're likely fine. But uh, I think it came with uh, like one CPU core, um, two gigs of RAM. I'd have to look again. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna set it up on on any of the other services, I don't know how much RAM they give. I think it's like five hundred and twelve right. for and, their and low very, end five dollar box, and that's really not enough to do anything on a modern computer. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously. Um, and you know, we we don't have a commercial for this, but Linux Mint does. And as a part of their sponsorship, Shells is offering three months for the price of two at www.shells.com. 10% off all subscriptions created from this link go towards Linux Mint. And that link will be in the show notes. There you go. There's your commercial, Clem. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, uh, if you go on right now and use code Mike, they'll give you a seven-day money-back guarantee. They'll do the same if you don't use code Mike, Watch. too. So. Clem actually cuts <laughs> out that part of the audio and uses it since you basically gave him permission there. I, no, take it, have it. I don't care. It's it's hilarious. My all of all of my voice on the internet, at least at this point, is open source and and uh, free as in uh, Libra. Right there, you go. You can have it, but you just just make sure you put my name on it or something somewhere in there. The next thing on that list is hypnotics. So we talked about this a little while ago. I guess it was on the last show. We talked about hypnotics changing their providers, and I'm wondering why all of the U.S. channels are not in the u.s that was weird I, I turned on uh what was it like cnn and it was somebody from australia and i have nothing against anybody from australia but that is weird 
and because it was Australia-centric U.S. news. So it, technically, it was U.S. news, but it was from not within the U.S. So it was just weird to see news like that. But honestly, um, a little less divisive. So I, I, I appreciated that, too. Uh, but this is why I only watch CBC, the national for my daily uh, national news. Yeah. It, it seems to be that they don't have the same, uh, I guess, investment that, w- that we tend to. So yeah, it, it tends to be a little less, uh, tilted, but the, the coolest thing about, uh, well, I guess it's not the coolest thing about this, but, uh, Londoner had, was feeding us information during the last show about what was going on here. But I mean, as the show goes on, it's really hard for me to, like, get these external things and kind of meld them into the show. But um, as we, we have a little bit of that information here. And the idea is that I've got it right. I did have it. Where did I, it I go? I have it here for you. Hey, thank you. You're awesome. So See? basically, the, the whole hypnotics uh, kerfuffle that we had mentioned a little bit last show it had nothing at all to do with Mint. Uh, apparently, there were just some tensions and personal conflicts between uh, Free IP TV and some of its GitHub, uh, GitHub folks. Yeah, and it looked like uh, Free IP TV. I don't, uh, I don't see his name, but out of Germany was uh, putting together this repository. I mean, it was all. I guess you could consider it open source. I mean, because it is, and uh, people were taking advantage of it and not crediting Free IP TV with all of this stuff and really just using it without the spirit of open source, right? And uh, this really put a damp, tamper, damper, tamp, whatever, on everybody that was using free IPTV. But, you know, you can kind of see the other side of the argument. The guy's not getting credited for any of his stuff. And, I mean, he's putting it all together for you. You should probably, if you're going to give anybody money for uh, for putting, aggregating all of this content, should be this guy. And, yeah, so... What he was planning on doing was putting this in a private repo, and Clem ended up commenting on the GitHub, um, uh, what do you call that, the, the bug thing, what, the tracker, and just noted that Hypnotics won't be able to use a private repository. But that was kind of, um, you know, Clem didn't really see the problem with this, and I think it's just simply because, I mean, Clem puts all this stuff out there and totally expects to not be credited for anything ever, and... Uh, other than the elements of vitriol. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. When when someone's got something to say negative, man, you know it's got Clem's name attached to it. Um, and they just kind of back and forth, and that's the idea, that that there wasn't enough credit and Clem didn't get it. And, you know, rightfully so, right? You know, the only thing Clem gets is the bad stuff a lot of times. Uh, I don't know ahead. if anybody else has tried with Hypnotics because last show and after the show... I added a whole bunch of different, um, like, of the free IPTV lists that you can find right. in different places. And I, I, like, maybe one in ten of any of the channels, even with the original free IPTV one, actually works. Like, otherwise, you click on it and it just sits there and right loads but, but and that- loads and loads and never actually comes up. But that's the beauty of this guy's GitHub repository. The whole reason free IPTV exists is so you don't run into that. It, because he will remove the ones that are broken and replace them. Well, even them. when I was using his, I, I got oh. the exact same thing. And now I don't know if I that's see. a function of my IP address being in the U.S. Do I need to use a VPN and make it look like I'm coming out of Germany? I, I can do that. I don't think so, because these aren't, like, official streams. These are people that are restreaming a stream. So, I mean, you can kind of think of going onto a website and finding something live, right? That's yeah. the same idea. 
And the, but the whole point of free IPTV was that it was, you know, broadcast stuff. I don't think it was pay-per-view stuff and I don't think it was Anything rated you R or right. you know, it's all legal stuff. 16 plus stuff either. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's why you paid the guy. And, you know, obviously it wasn't perfect because he had to continually manage the thing, but yeah, no, no credit means uh, he didn't want to do it anymore. At least the way that he was doing it before. I think the private repo thing did happen. And then, yeah. So we have uh, free TV or whatever it is now. And that, that is, eh, it's fine. Australian CNN. Great. <laughs> they use the C word a lot. See, not on CNN. Oh, was, is the C word CNN? <laughs> no, they do no, use no, that no, word no, a lot. No, no, no. The, the C word that Australians the love other, to use. The other Joe's favorite word. Ah, that's it, right? Uh huh. So that was a that was a fun read. And then uh, the next thing was Cinnamon Five is in the works. Yay! Um, so one of the cool things about the update on Cinnamon Five is that spices are going to be integrated in now with the update manager. And I think this is absolutely fantastic because the only time I ever know that there is an update to any of the spices is when I go in to add a new spice. It's like, hey, your old spices are uh, out of date. And I'm like, oh, how long has that been a thing? Because I had no idea. This is great. I'm actually really excited for this because I don't know if it's still an issue because I just took it out. But once uh, when Linux Mint 20.0 came out, the, uh, the cinnamon spices update spice, uh, which is the which is the spice that you would normally have installed to notify you of spices updates, was really really not working well. It was it was crashing cinnamon about five or six times a day. I couldn't figure it out. Somebody online actually told me that there was something going on with the Spices Update Spice at the time. So I just uninstalled it. And to be honest, I haven't bothered to even go back to it to try because I, I don't care enough. Um, so yeah, by them right. adding it to the Update Manager, I think that'll be awesome. Actually, I, it should have been there. I think flat packs and uh, Spices being <gasps> updated in the Update Manager is going to be mwah, awesome. I, yes. Oh, man. When, when I heard the flat pack thing, I was like, you're telling me that I can pin a flat pack, but like manually, basically? That is awesome. Amazing. That's so awesome. So, yep. What now that, I mean, after, after those two things are integrated, the entire system will be managed through the update manager. And I think, you know, that kind of thing, Moss, that kind of thing makes a distro, you know? Do you use any <laughs> spices, Moss? Uh, if my spices get old, I go down to the grocery store. <laughs> uh, you know what? I just keep using the same spice from 2017. You know, I just keep shaking it on there and I'm like, that. Still tastes like ginger, right? Uh, I don't know. I kind of forgot what ginger tastes like at this yeah, point. Too bad it was garlic, actually. Uh, see, but it doesn't have any flavor, so I can't tell. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's really fantastic. Uh, the only mm, thing I've mm. been using cinnamon on is when I have Manjaro installed. But I guess with uh, Makulu Linux Lindos, I am using a variant of cinnamon. Yeah. Mm. You know, once they figure out how to make the store the um the software thing like when you search for something how to make it not horrendous i think um i think it's going to be a really just complete and i will have very few little nitpicky things to have about mint anymore but that's one of them that's one of them it looks horrible when you search for <laughs> you look for go look for audacity like, oh i thought you were just looking at my camera oh uh, no <laughs> we'll get to that later well today i really <laughs> You look beautiful, though. Oh, why, thank See, you, Mike. That's, that's, that's the kind of upbeat kind of thing we like to have on the show right here. Makes everybody feel really nice. Teammates helping teammates. I know. 
All right. So the uh, the next thing is going to be Mint 18. Hey, you. Are you, are you running Mint 18? 18, 18.1, 18.2, Stop it. Stop it. It's over for you. It's been five years. Get off it. Move up to 19, move up to 20, unless you just really like to ride the lightning. Wait, did and, that, uh, didn't Tony Hughes say a, a month or two back that he was still running 18? Or did I make that up totally? No, I, I want to say that he was planning on upgrading to 19, but uh, I think it was a hard no on 20 for him on that box. Oh, okay. So I think he's in the process. But if he's not on 19 by the next show, which he will be on, I'm going to be upset. And we're going to drag him through the mud. And it's really muddy in Texas. So plenty, <laughs> plenty of mud to do that with right now. So, um, yep, uh, upgrade to 19. Once a variant of 19, any of them. But if you're going to be doing um, 18 to 20, you might just want to do a fresh install. That's a lot of upgrading to do. And the major revisions from 18 to 19 and 19 to 20, those are major things. So it might be faster for one to just go fresh. But if you've got a lot of customization on there, you might want to try it. And there are in the show notes uh, in this in this monthly news, he's got links to every single one of the tutorials and how to get from wherever you are on 18 to wherever you want to be on 19 and then beyond to 20 as well. And honestly, if, if you're still running 18 and you do have a, which I'm assuming you probably have a very heavily customized system and you don't want to just nuke and pave everything, just take the two jumps by doing a uh, by doing an upgrade to 19-something and then 20-something afterwards. I, I know they say you shouldn't, that you should just do a fresh install, but I've done it a few times. It works out mostly that's, okay. That's not they, Mike. It's me. I said that. Well, <laughs> as long as you do the jump to 19 and then immediately do the jump to 20 without, you know, adding any repos or anything, it should be a fairly easy transition. Right. And yeah, then right. add back in repos and do another update and you'll be fine. Yeah. But if you've been on 18, it's been for years and years and years. So I imagine you have some cruft that, that is, that's in there. And, you know, it's, it's a PPA. I guarantee you it's a PPA that only works on, uh, what is it, Ubuntu 18.04 or whatever. Is, is that what 18 on? No, 18's on 16.04. <gasps> oh, my God. So uh, whatever, whatever PPA for 16.04, it just, it's not going to work unless they have the 20.04 version of the PPA in the same PPA. It's, it's not going to work. So, yeah, so just be sure to do a backup first and you'll be fine. Do a, do a yeah. system image and you'll be, you'll be great. Yeah, but actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, uh, the Mint upgrade tool does force you to uninstall the PPAs. So, I mean, at worst, the package will be broken, but the system won't be. So, yeah, so give just it a take, go. Take note of the PPAs that you have. And then once you've gone to 19 and then immediately made the jump to 20 or 20.1, just go, go ahead and add those PPAs back. No big deal. Yep. There you go. I think that's the right way to do it. Thanks, Clem. <laughs> hey, Anko. So um, next up, we have... Did y'all know that Ubuntu had a release late? Is that a thing? Do they do that often? Every six months. Oh, that's okay. So Ubuntu Official Flavors 2104 are out, as well as the Unofficial Flavors 2. Moss, is, was that you that went in and put the links in there for me? Yeah, well, I, I didn't put all the links in, but I put in some of the links that weren't put in by whoever did the links. I, I did the first half. You did the second half. Oh. I pulled the ones off of Ubuntu has a weekly newsletter. Uh, so I, I, you know, I get that in my RSS feeder. So I'll go through it all. Feeder? Feed. And, um, and the, all those links that I had there were there. You know, what's funny is in the Ubuntu newsletter, they didn't link to the Ubuntu blog post about the release. It, it, it linked to the server, but, 
but not the desktop, which was okay. So we got Ubuntu, we got Ubuntu Mate, we've got Kubuntu, we've got Kubuntu, we've got Ubuntu Studio, we've got Ubuntu Budgie, we've got Lubuntu, and we've got Ubuntu Chillin. Hold on, wait. Which one was the one with the X? Kubuntu. Okay. As well as Ubuntu DDE Remix, Ubuntu Unity Respin, and Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix. I wasn't sure about Cinnamon. Uh, it didn't show up when I did my first search, but then I did another search and it showed up. So I, th- I think he had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Ubuntu Cinnamon that lost the keys to the website or something for a little bit and couldn't get in to post the to post it. Um, I mean, I, I, not not trying to show, throw shade or anything like that. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> just get the spare key out of your wallet, you know. Yeah, that's it. See, don't you don't write down your uh, you know six thousand character keys. Oh, just keep it in your wallet. Now, we're not going to talk about Ubuntu 2104 without mentioning that fugly wallpaper, are we? <laughs> Look, I thought the wallpaper was fine. And I've, I've heard that people are Rorschach testing this thing. And I, I didn't see it. Not at the beginning. But now that I've heard it, I can't unsee it. That wallpaper legitimately, it, it legitimately looks like a set of hairy breasts. It, it's weird. <laughs> I didn't see it. For the wrong women, you know. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did not see it when it was released because I, you know, got through it together in a v- VM. So I mean, I really don't know how how well it works or anything like that. But I didn't see that, and it was staring me in the face the entire time. But um, literally, yeah. yeah. So apparently, a lot of people are seeing that in the uh, in the wallpaper. That's so awesome. Ah <laughs> so uh, man, I'm just upset because the hippo is not an LTS because hippos deserve better than that. Ah, uh, true, true. So um, if you're on one of the Ubuntu's um, and you're and you're one of those interim release kind of people, go check it out or just run the. Oh, actually, no, don't run the upgrade on older hardware. There is a issue with it, like breaking UEFI, the shim breaks for some reason. And this is not me telling you to not upgrade clickbait style or anything. This is just everybody else is saying that. So, I mean, you know, maybe don't. Or install from scratch. I think that might uh, also sidestep the issue. But yeah, be careful out there. Be careful out there. We're playing Nuke and Pave in the background, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And next up, um, Bodhi, Moss's favorite baby, six release candidate is out. Yeah, we got that out. Uh, I've been talking with Robert Wiley a bit and some of the other guys. Like they, they've got a Discord group that is really linked in with all the devs and everything. So it's become fun. There was a time I had to start a Telegram group to be able to talk to anyone about Bodhi. But um, they're doing a great job. I, I it, It's good enough that I got rid of my 5.1 installs. Wow. The release candidate. Mm-hmm. And you are markedly not a beta person. I am not a beta person. I had this installed and, from pre-alpha. Wow. And th- this ain't even this ain't even beta. Yeah. Oh, so pre-alpha. Wow. I, I did a nuke and pave for beta. But then all everything else has just been in the upgrades. Wow. Do not have to nuke and pave to go from beta to RC to the final version. Now, mind you, this is based on 20.04. Right, right. They're a little bit behind. Uh, Robert had, uh, well, he got the COVID. He was in the hospital for a couple months. Right. And, and he holds everything up. Dev, and that held up a lot of things. So. Mm-hmm. Now, are, uh, you, are you maining uh, Bodhi these days, Moss? Not yet. Bodhi's he can't still, officially say that on this show. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> wink, wink. You guys are all talking about Arch and, and Endeavor and 
uh, fedora and all this stuff. I could say Bodie if I wanted to say Bodie. I run Arch. Bodie Odo. Uh, but not classic on Arch. The improved Arch. Oh. Bodie is a really good distro, but it's really lightweight, and you have to figure out what you have to put back in it to get some things to run. So, for example, what types of things is it missing that you would... Well, if you download the minimal, which I usually do when I'm getting a distro, um, you don't have cups. Hmm. You, you have to do uh, get into your terminal and do sudo apt install bodhi-printing, and that gets you cups and all the other things you need, and then you can install your printer driver. Oh, I like that. That's usually the first thing I take out. The, the ability to print, does that make a distro? <laughs> Apparently not, buddy. <laughs> But, Not Bodie. Okay. All right. Well, well just top that one off. Chris Fisher always says that he doesn't even use Office. So if you don't use Office and you don't use your printer and you don't even have a printer, then just get Bodie Minimal and you're fine. But there are other little things like the, the instead of displays, if you need to adjust your resolution, uh, Bodie 6 has it easier now. But in the pre alpha and in Bodie 5.1, you had to go into AR and R. Now they have that linked a little bit better. You still have to find it. Their, their setup menus, their settings menus are really hard to work your way through and figure out why this is in that menu. But uh, so I haven't really gone over to Bodhi, but I use it every chance I get because when I'm working, it fits my work style. Uh, Enlightenment, Moksha, the, the desktop is a fork of Enlightenment 17 with a lot of backports from the later Enlightenments. Um, they do have a pre-alpha of straight E24, if you want to see what E24 looks like on Bodhi. But I don't think they've done a beta on that yet. Again, when you've got a couple of devs and one of them has been sick, you, do, you don't put out a whole bunch of things real fast. Clem, drink your orange juice and take your vitamins. Do not. And co. <laughs> and co. <laughs> yeah, we need the co too. That's you guys right. don't just use accession to... Adjust your uh, screen resolution? Well, maybe you could, but I've never used Accession. Remember, I'm a desktop guy. I came over from Windows, and I want Linux to work as easily as Windows. Listen, right. listen. Here's, here's, I'm here's sort of how, getting into over time. Here's how I deal with my resolution. I get a monitor that has proper EDID so that the kernel can detect it, and it just makes it work. That's how I handle it. Well, I've got proper EDID. <laughs> it's just my eyes can't work at proper EDID, so I have to uh, lock it down to thirteen sixty eight. You know. Well, once once proper scaling, I think like it works ninety nine percent of the time. Scaling comes out, Moss. You'll be in a way better spot because things will be sharper, uh, but you know they will be bigger as well. So that's good. Well, I really love Bodhi. I use it every second that I can uh, when I'm not updating all my other distros. When I'm not trying to get work done, which I always do in Mint. Um, but I, I'm trying to do more and more in Bodhi as time goes by. And the team has been very helpful. And they've been very appreciative of some stupid things I say even, which I really find incredible. Uh, wow, they really are patient. Yeah, I know. Uh, I just want to point out real quick, I know this is off topic, but Hoosie in Telegram is telling me that he has access to buy 5,900Xs at a discount. And I asked him where, and then he sends me a UK link, and then I got real sad. <laughs> yeah. The shipping alone, yeah. <laughs> right. So sad, man. Right. That That's Save basically scalper prices. But guess yeah, what? 30% mm -hmm. just to get it here, and I might as well just pay a scalper. Ugh, I hate that so much. 
Well, I think that's enough on Bodhi right now. I have a terminal group uh, in English for Bodhi. And I'm so sad for your group that they're terminal. <laughs> okay, well, I said it wrong. I did are we going to do dad jokes? Because I have a really good one. <laughs> no, oh, yes. I, we're, we're dealing with the fact that my brain is not functioning, and so I say things wrong. But anyhow, but, I, have, I have a Telegram group. They have a really good Discord group. Uh, anyone's welcome in it, especially if they like Bodhi. Um, and we've got a good forum. and. The old forum is still being held up on uh, linuxquestions.org. I thought about wearing my Linux questions t-shirt, but I figured House Linux is good enough. That's pretty cool. Well, okay. So, I mean, since you mentioned it, uh, again, you can't see it on the video. So maybe I'll just wear it for the next two weeks to get it really, you know, worn in and then wear it again for the show. Uh, this is my uh, utopic unicorn Remember, sure. we're not broadcasting the video, so you're only... No, I, I know. I'm I'm teasing people. If you want to mm. see this fancy shirt that is all crackled up because it's from 2010... Uh, I listened to one news podcast that is actually just a rebroadcast of uh, MSNBC show, and she just goes on talking like we could see all the video all the time. Right, uh, right, yeah. At yeah. least I'm aware that you can't see this, and I'm just trying to hype it up so maybe we get more votes for the video. So I can force everybody to turn on their cameras. <laughs> I've got my Game of Thrones House Linux t-shirt on. So Nice, nice. So now everybody's going to have to buy a bunch of like Linux swag and stuff to wear. My Jupiter Broadcasting shirt isn't good enough. <clears throat> what? <laughs> I don't know who those oh, people are. I, I've been doing substitute teaching, right? Ah, get the teeth to work. Substitute teaching. And um, one teacher had a bunch of little stickers. Yeah, Amazing, awesome, blah, blah, blah. There was yeah. one. Cosmic, and I stuck it on oh. my—I I stuck it on my System seventy six laptop. Yeah, oh, I'll take that. That's cool. All right, so I have taken us way off track. I am sorry. Let's get back on track, which is Elementary OS six beta is out. Everybody has been waiting on this one. Everybody, you listening right now, I know you've been waiting on Elementary OS six because it's your favorite distro. Yeah. I, oh, okay. Come on. But it's out. Finally, based on Ubuntu 20, no, no, 2004. Yes. So uh, I guess if you have really, really new hardware and you've been waiting on this for a while, if you can get it installed, you'll need to go grab yourself one of them newfangled kernels. So add, uh, just coming out is not that bad if uh, elementary is still based on 2004. No, not at all. So, I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing that they're based on 2004. 2004 is going to be supported for another three two, four years? A while. So didn't it's not they, like... Didn't they say 10 on that one? Well, that's if you do the ESR and all that other stuff. So I imagine that you would like have to have elementary and then pay Ubuntu or something to get, get oh, it to work. five years free and then 10 years extended. I, I mean, okay. If, if you can figure out a way to get them on elementary or if it's super easy, then all right, keep it going. <laughs> but I don't know that the elementary guys are going to support it for that long. Yeah. So, I, so it, I mean, there can be... There, if you don't mind no Pantheon or any other kind of fixes or whatever, then, I mean, you could probably ride it out that long, uh, security-wise anyway. But that is interesting. We're going to talk about that more in the second half of the show, which comes out in a week. I'm just kidding. You live streamers get it in a few minutes. So oh, hang tight. Lucky you. I know. But uh, another beta. Another beta. It's all about distros. So for some reason, we just have a lot of distros in the news. Slackware 15. Now, if you loved elementary OS... Yeah, if you loved elementary OS, you absolutely adore Slackware. You're just you're about to nuke your Ubuntu right off your systems and put Slackware 15 on there right now. I know it. 
Well, so it's the oldest existing distro out there. So I love it. It's it was it, my it first. It was my first real distro because I don't know what makes a distro, but something does. And Slackware is apparently one. And it was the very first one that made me want to pull my hair out and uh, made me question whether or not I wanted to do this Linux thing or not. But uh, 17F disk failures later, I finally got Slackware installed. <laughs> and that's what made me fall in love with KDE 3 way back in the day. And uh, Can you say, sa save me, Mandrake, save me. Right, right. So, um, I mean, Slackware is kind of like OpenSUSE in that you just pick what you want as you install it, right? I mean, there's GNOME, KDE, XFCE, um, you know, all of that kind of fun stuff. You can get a hold of the LTS kernel or the new kernel, uh, 5.11, 5. I think 5.12 is probably in the repos by now. Um, uh, all, you know, your new applications and all that kind of fun stuff. So, I mean, Slackware is not really fully dependent on its versioning, is it? I mean, the the way that you get Slackware stuff is kind of like the way that Arch does it in that it's just, it's there. You get it if you want it and pull it in. So it's cool that the number went up one though. And anybody that's using Slackware, please correct me if I'm wrong because uh, it's been a long time since I've been on Slackware. Next up, I have no, no, no idea why Wolf Fire Games is bringing an antitrust lawsuit against Valve over Steam from... Uh, I've got this one, Leo. Oh, yeah. Please, please. Uh, this sounds interesting, though. Wolfire Games is an indie developer, also the originator of Humble Indie Bundle. They filed a proposed class action lawsuit against Steam creator Valve, saying that the company is wielding Steam's monopoly power over the PC gaming market to extract, quote, an extraordinarily high cut from nearly every sale that passes through its store, 30%. Oh, so this is another pylon. Must have for game publishers who need to access the, to the players to Steam on Steam to succeed, but games that use a Steam platform also have to be sold on the Steam store, where Valve takes its thirty percent cut of all sales. Mm -hmm. They looked at it and figured that if all the games you know, Steam currently has about seventy percent of the market in gaming, and all the games that they sell, they would basically be making fifteen million dollars per employee at Steam with this thirty percent. So one one of the things that I know is that the winds are changing. Steam and Apple are in a losing position right now, which is to say that, you know, these guys are taking massive cuts of every sale of everything on their platforms. And you have newer upstarts, not that they are lesser known, but like Epic and I mean, well, lesser known, I guess, like Humble Bundle and Wolfire Games. But um, you have these companies that are saying enough. That's too much. That's unfair. It it keeps everybody else out of the market because you're so huge. Change this. Change this, please. And the I think Microsoft has a two percent share of the market, although they claim to have a 12, 15 percent share. Yeah, well, I mean, not much. You know, yeah. you know, they gonna, they're going to the market, and you're getting thirty percent of every game that's sold on your marketplace. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a lot. But I mean, you know, like as with Steam or Epic or anybody else, you know, they take those numbers and like finagle the English to make it sound like it's better than it is. That's just PR. But, you know, I think one of the things that is that is going to happen is um, because Microsoft just entered If I'm not mistaken, it's Microsoft um, that is saying that their cut is going to be much smaller than 30 percent. And that means that these wins are changing. Steam is going to have to play ball here. Or these other upstarts are going to start eating its lunch little by little by little. And these aren't small names. 
These are these are companies that have billions of dollars in revenue that can throw billions of dollars at ads. And we know that ads will change your mind. So anyhow, Wolfire opened it up as a potential class action suit. And that's if the other game developers want to get on board, then it can be a class action suit. Yeah. And one last thing, uh, this uh, was something that right before the show, Dale had posted in uh, Telegram. And, okay, we w- one thing that we haven't talked about on this show is um, my love for Dogecoin and NFTs. Uh, we won't talk about my love for Dogecoin, though now it's out there. Um, no, NFTs, no, 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 though. No, no, you should talk about Dogecoin. It's well, seen a lot this, of news over the last couple of weeks. If this half of the show were not so absolutely humongous, uh, I might. But we got to finish this up. So NFTs, right? Um, if you have your ear to the ground with memes and what the kids are doing these days, um, and actually the meme girl is kind of old, but there's this one girl that's looking really mischievous, looking back at you when she's uh, you know, in front of a house that had just burned down. So it gives you the impression that she burnt down the house, though that's not the case. Um, anyway, the girl in that picture is now an adult. and she has sold an NFT that represents that meme for like half a million dollars or something like this. It's, it's insanity. Number one, NFTs are kind of not cool. <laughs> like, uh, I, I mean, don't... It's, it's not so much that they're kind of not cool. It's more that they're literally the stupidest thing anyone has ever invented yeah, in life. It's I'm, I'm, okay, dumb. I but... was kind of trying to straddle the fence there on the I don't like it side, but okay, cool. Oh, no, I'm no, in no. that. I'm in that boat. They, they're absolutely silly. You have a digital receipt for a physical thing that doesn't mean anything, right? You like, literally don't own it. People can still view it. People can still possess it. It's it means literally nothing at all, right? I mean, like, I, it, it's this is Beanie Babies. This is Beanie Babies right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, okay, it's, it's like owning a first I, edition of a book. You know, but. Uh, you know what? Actually, you know what? That's that's probably true. I have I just ordered a Bruce Schneier book that I got into autograph. Uh, like it's it's in the mail right now. And I mean, I don't know that that at least means a little bit of something, though it's not. You know, I'm not getting Bruce Schneier in that book. I'm not going to be able to to sell Bruce Schneier. So an NFT uh, is basically like owning the certificate of authenticity to an autographed book that everybody else gets to have. Exactly, and you do not possess that book. Right, you only possess the cer- certificate of authenticity and nothing more. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like one of the naysayers back in 2008 when people were talking about, oh, how this Bitcoin thing is going to be nothing and it's going to go down to zero in the next couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden you look at the stock tickers today and you're like, I should have bought when it was 25 cents. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, I I just cannot wrap my head around the idea of NFTs. Can't do it. I agree with you. And as a matter of fact, I I can't remember if we mentioned it last show, but Edward Snowden sold an NFT for over five and a half million dollars. Absolutely insane. I mean, it, it went to a good cause and all that, but it right. just blows my mind that somebody was willing to pay that. It didn't go to his that. legal fund? <laughs> no, it went yeah. to, uh, what was it? It was uh, Freedom of the Press Foundation, I believe. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's fine to sell them, but, you know, if, if you are an environmentalist in any way, it's probably not a good idea to be buying them or encouraging their use. Um, and if you are non grifter kind of folks you probably don't want to buy them for yourself but i mean if you can sell it and people assign it value then do it right i mean i'm not saying don't use them i'm just saying that i feel like the idea behind nfts is just kind of dumb (laughs) 
I don't get it. I don't want one. Nor would I ever. I don't think. Maybe now, maybe there's a killer argument for it. With that being said, I am selling the NFT of my first appearance on Mintcast. So, <laughs> Dale, open up your wallet. Uh, the bidding starts at $5,000. We'll see where it gets to. And all proceeds go to me. Look, okay, you know what? If anybody wants an NFT of Mintcast episode uh, three, uh, what is it? What what are we? Three sixty, right? This is a, this is a fantastic one because three sixty, you know, it's a full revolution. Ooh, we, we have created a revolution on Mintcast. So if you want the NFT, I will be selling the NFT of the first episode that Leo was on. Mm. All proceeds go to me. Okay. Okay, not even going to split it with me. I, okay, I'm I see how this is. Y'all to join my sponsors. I don't care so, about NFTs. So, so uh, in in response to Joe's NFT, I'm doing another NFT of the same episode, uh, and then all proceeds go to Mike. So, ooh, and my NFT mm. is going to be ownership of Leo and Joe's NFTs. So you really you get a lot of a lot of bargain. Oh, out of an money. NFT there of an NFT. I love it. Yes, there it is. It, that, it just, that, that should like quadruple the value, right? <laughs> Did I just invent yeah. something here on Mintcast? I, I think Nobody you did. Nobody's gonna steal this. I think you did. Now you just put it on the the Dogecoin blockchain, and you, now we got a we got a stew going. Here we go. I'm going to the Cayman Islands. See you guys. <laughs> All right. So that's it. Um, I liked that last article just because. <laughs> so let's get to the security update so we can actually finish the show. Yeah, maybe. short uh, security section, you would be mistaken, uh, but maybe we'll try and get through this uh, quickly. So cyber criminals. Oh, here it is. Dun, dun, dun. Cyber criminal using Telegram to control toxic eye malware. It sounds so horrible, like toxic eye lives on Telegram or something like that, but it's, uh, I feel very clickbaity reading that. Um, it is a Windows malware, number one, just to be clear. Uh, A.exe distributed via an email. It's a remote code execution kind of thing, backdoor dealio, where um, people install it via the tried and true phishing. You get a thing in the email, you click it, you install it on accident, and then now you have uh, a remote control bot in a botnet. Hooray! So why this is interesting is the Telegram angle of this. But this is not anything that is unique to Telegram. If you were to replace Telegram with IRC, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, botnets, command and control, totally. That's been happening on IRC for years and years and years. But now that it's that it's focused on Telegram, now people are ooing and aahing and saying, oh, Telegram is a horrible security risk and you should get rid of it. And it's like, really? Really? So I think uh, you might see this one floating around. Um, don't let this sour you on Telegram. There are other things to be soured on Telegram, you know payments, but this is not one of the things to be soured on uh, Telegram about. So uh, either way, this it was just interesting. I wanted to I wanted to talk about it for a minute. And um, yeah, if, if you have thought about uh, leaving Telegram over this, don't. Uh, you could do the same thing on Discord or IRC or anything else, but it is an interesting read. It's been done before on like Twitter, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, anywhere oh, yeah. that you have an API that, that you can pull messages from and parse them. It works. Right. So anything could be command and control. Because well, so. I, I know people have used Twitter in the past to do command line commands on home computers. Right. So if, if a command line can send something to Twitter that says your command is done now, you can be part of a, of a botnet. Like that can be used as a command and control hub for a botnet. So uh, yeah, other things to be mad about Telegram for, but this ain't it. 
Yeah, don't be don't be scared of Telegram because of this. I mean, Telegram overall is a very secure messaging platform. I, I'd say probably second to Signal, honestly. If you do the secret chats, <laughs> right? <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> right. otherwise they. Uh, I don't know that they're unencrypted. They're unencrypted, aren't no, they? No, no, no. They're still encrypted. They're just okay. not end to end encrypted. Got it. Okay, cool, cool. So next up, QNAP NAS ransomware invasion. Vince, if you are listening, I'm sorry to add another one to the pile. But if you have a QNAP NAS, you've not been having a good, I was going to say 2021, but then I started looking and you haven't had a good 2020. You haven't had a good 2019. You just haven't had a good, any, you may not have known this because as people that buy hardware, you probably make best effort to keep it updated, but you probably don't subscribe to the QNAP blog where they tell you about all of the horrible, horrible things that go wrong with their things. And hey, it's patched now. Don't worry about it. Except they didn't tell you that it was unpatched for six and a half months, right? Like that's the part that they kind of don't say in the blog post. But you know who does bleeping computer? I love those guys. They are fantastic. They, their write-ups are always on point, in-depth, and tell you way more information than any human being would ever want to know. And I love that because uh, sometimes I wonder whether or not I'm fully human. So they go into the latest, the latest QNAP ransomware. There is QLocker. Uh, there is, uh, let me see, um, QSnatch. There is age locker, and these all happened uh, within the past year. Um, there was a security vulnerability with their surveillance station app um, where you could do arbitrary code execution, which also means that you could just download all the surveillance, you know, that thing that everybody's afraid of when cameras are everywhere. Yeah, that happened. Um, ongoing brute force attacks. Uh, they were back doors. Um, uh, ransomware. Oh, yeah, that was the whole queue locker thing. Um, and Dovecat. So Vince, I know you have, I know you have a QNAP um, updated, and please don't put it on the internet uh, because that's. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So the next one. I've been talking for a while. Mike, are you okay to take this one? Oh yes, please. Because yes, this story is so delicious that I had to lick my fingers after I read this article. This is amazing. So, uh, as we all know. The, uh, of the company Celebrate, who is an Israeli-owned uh, company who sells devices that allows law enforcement agencies to hack into people's devices, uh, most notably iPhone devices, which has been the, the subject of uh, big stories over the last, what, five, six, seven years or so? Well, this is, uh, this is actually really great. So the CEO of Signal has actually, quote-unquote, come into possession of a bag of Celebrate equipment and he decided to examine the gear inside. So what he found was actually pretty shocking. So he found, uh, number one, uh, which is bad news for Celebrate, is that they actually have live Apple code being used illegally inside their equipment. Now that this is public, Apple is going to research this and literally screw them to the wall if they can, if they can prove this. Because as we all know, you're not supposed to be taking somebody else's code and putting it into your devices. And I think actually this solves a big mystery too, because I know that Apple's been wondering how it is exactly that Celebrate has been able to access their devices. Uh, because anytime that they that Apple finds any kind of a flaw like that, they're usually pretty quick to uh, to squash it. But uh, what else is what else is going on with this too? 
is uh, Celebrate has now stopped offering data analysis on iPhones following this Signal hack because the uh, the CEO of Signal has found that it's really trivial to put files into Celebrate devices that can then in turn infect all previously uh, downloaded information from devices. So what they say specifically is that by including a specially formatted but otherwise innocuous file in an app on a device that is then scanned by Celebrite, it's possible to execute code that modifies not just the Celebrite report being created in that scan, but also all previous and future generated Celebrite reports from all previously scanned devices and all future scanned devices in any arbitrary way. So what they mean is inserting or removing text, email, photos, contacts, files, or any other data with no detectable timestamp changes or checksum failures. So basically what they're saying is that law enforcement agencies can fake data on these reports. Yep. And the idea that that is the case, it invalidates anything that comes out of a Celebrite box anymore. And so as a matter of fact, a lawyer in Maryland is has taken the opportunity to now sue on behalf of his client who was conv- uh, convicted in part based on evidence obtained from Celebrite. So we may be looking at a lot of uh, potential litigation here of people wanting to get their cases thrown out or retrying cases that have long since been closed, all because that would be all because of what the law enforcement said was files that they pulled from this individual's device may not actually be true. It could have been planted. It could have been faked. So we'll see. I think this was the coolest thing to happen. Uh, I really love hacking and hacker culture and all of that kind of stuff. And this signal write up, uh, this this dev from uh, Signal. This is the best example of it that I could ever hope for. Yes, because it, really, it couldn't have happened to a better group of people. Right, exactly. My sentiment, exactly. Um, and th- this is uh, this is the Uno reverse card I was talking about before. I mean, Ce- Celebrite is used to hack into phones and do things, uh, pull data, and I mean, apparently fake data, and. Um, yeah, this is the Uno reverse card. So we hacked into Celebrite. We the the signal dev hacked into Celebrite and just opened up Pandora's box of everything. So th- this, I love it. I and the first the first image in my head was an Uno reverse card. I was like, ah. ah. And I, I really can't wait until Apple's lawyers get their hands on this because now Celebrite's going to find out what happens when you go toe to toe with the most valuable company on the planet Earth and all of the resources that they have behind them. Oof. Yep, it ain't going to be good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. What's next? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So you've probably heard this story about 7,000 times by now because our show lined up to uh, be at the tail end of the uh, the news cycle on this one. But the University of Minnesota is one of the best schools in the U.S., right? Uh, until they got banned from the Linux kernel, sort of. So um, that that didn't fully come to fruition. I think Greg KH even came out and said that, you know, we didn't even have time to go back and revert any of those things. But now we have a promise from U of N to not be jerks anymore. But, you know, instead of kind of rehashing the the whole story, um, which in a nutshell was... Uh, University of Minnesota was was applying fake patches, essentially, that, that could be strung into something malicious, but they just wanted to see if they could get it past the Linux kernel devs, and it got pretty far in the chain, but it didn't quite make it into anybody's production kernel. Uh, it made it into, I guess, what you could consider staging. So it, it did get past a lot of the normal checks and balances that we assume are, 
I don't know if we assume they're foolproof, but we assume that people eyeball this code and, you know, some of it got past that. So that's the idea. Um, we have another link to the article from John Wallace, which, by the way, thank you for that. Um, so instead of kind of rehashing what everybody has talked about, is it that big of a deal? How, how big a deal is what the University of Minnesota did here? I, th I think it's a very big deal because you have a group of pompous kids with no life experience whatsoever who just think it would be a great idea to, to try and play God and, and shake up the Linux community as though it's their own personal ant farm that they can kind of direct and, and watch the, the machinations of what happens every time they, they throw these crappy little patches out into the kernel. And, you know, I'm, for my part, I'm glad that Greg found it. I'm glad that Greg has banned them. And the apology that they if you want to call it that, gave for all of this is absolute trash. It's just garbage. They're not sorry that they did it. They're sorry that they got caught. And that's it's plain and simple. And, and, and their professor was in on this with them. So the, the professor's mea culpa of, I didn't realize that it was getting this out of hand. Bull, you were right there along with them. You were reviewing all the papers and all the information that was coming in. Right. So bravo, Greg. Thank you. I think the 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 big thing about that was that yeah it's it wasn't just kids that was doing that that was a thesis paper they were going to write about this exact flaw in the Linux kernel chain and it had to be approved by a tenured professor right and who this is has been new. around the block this is not a new project either but, you know they've been going they've right. been doing this for a couple of years now they're just upset that they got caught before they could present it at the uh, conference <laughs> which was coming up soon. And yeah, so uh, I, I think it sounds like the uh, U of M was pretty in the wrong here. But, you know, I think one thing is certain that the chain isn't as robust as we thought it may have been. So while it is not a good look and while they I don't know, I mean, how else could you have proven this? I don't know of any other way that you could have proven this. Luckily, I mean, it was a group of people that were at least submitting benign patches. Well, mostly benign patches. How else could you have proven that the Linux kernel chain, the supply chain, was robust enough to hold up to this kind of attack? Because we know now that it wasn't, that, that it took so long to get there. And there were, um, you know, there, there were clues along the way. But if you're a trusted, uh, a trusted source, you can, you know, flip that script and go bad. So, I mean, you know, I, guess, I don't know. I, I guess that's that's kind of the case in a in a lot of regards in life. I mean, who's who's most likely to be able to rip off a company? It's typically an employee who has insider, an insider. access. Yes. So, yeah, in regards to the stability of the Linux kernel or or, or the ability of for things like this to happen, I, I don't know that that was a huge secret either, because a lot of people talk about how. You know, open source projects are great, but they're not the be all and end all of security, especially when you have a right. project with hundreds of thousands or millions of lines of code. You, who could possibly see every most every minuscule change that that goes into it? I think where open source shines is that given enough time, somebody's going to find it. So, yeah, you may right. be able to slip something in maliciously and maybe we'll use it for a few days or a week or two, but it's going to get caught fairly quickly. Yeah, Plus, yeah. this already happened with the free BSD just a couple of years ago. So, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I don't know. A anybody could be susceptible to this because Mike, your point is right that any insider anywhere can cause damage to uh, to what you know whatever it is, whatever it is that they're contributing to. Um, you know, once you've got that trusted badge, people don't look twice at you when you say, "Yep, this is a good one." 
go ahead and put that in upstream. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't think this makes the kernel any less, any more susceptible to hacking or malicious activity or anything else than anybody else. So, eh. I mean, this is the, the very same thing could have happened at Microsoft. You know, an internal employee could have gone rogue, but the difference and may being, have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we and just the don't difference know about being it. is, we don't get to, exactly we don't get to know about it because it's not open source. So we may be impacted by it for who knows eight months, a year, a couple of years. Who you never know. How do you think we got Windows Vista? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. What do you think, Joe? Though, do you uh, do you think it was a big deal? Do you think this was uh, as as huge as everybody's making it out to be? No, no, I don't think it's as huge as everyone was making it out to be. Is it an issue? Yes. Um, should the University of Minnesota have actually consulted with Upstream before trying this? Yes. Eh, that would have broken it. But I agree with right, you. Right, they, right, they, they, yeah. It wouldn't have been as true of a test, but they also wouldn't have caused as many problems for themselves. And they now they claim too. They 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 said that they were the the intent was always going to be that they were going to contact uh, a kernel maintainer before they ever put one of these bogus patches into a commit and and let them know and give them a heads up that this is fake. Do any of you actually believe that that was the case? That they were ever no. going to give a, a, a kernel maintainer a heads up that they were putting in bogus crap patches? Oh, they they were the, uh, after. After. Yeah, exactly. After. After they got their fame, yeah. When they can show the egg on people's faces. We told to stop doing it a year ago. You know, the, the fact that they didn't stop taking bad actions. Right. So the last thing that we have is just a quick little mention of uh, we finally got a postmortem on a hack that happened in 2018, and we finally figured out exactly what was going on. So a casino got hacked through a fish thermometer. <laughs> wow, a real fishing attempt. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even catch that angle. That's that's why you're on this show, Mike. <laughs> but yes, so Internet of Things, you know, we've heard that that acronym a bajillion times. It's, you know, little things running out of date software all of the time. And the fish thermometer was Internet connected and was used as a pivot point to get uh, wider access to a network. And I just <laughs> I just think that's the most funny thing. Like your fish are out to get you, man. Yep. A fishing attempt. Indeed. All right. This show has gone on long enough. It's already four uh, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's close this half of the show. All right. Well, that is the end of the show. And this means our next episode will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on May 16th. Put it in your calendar. Uh, hit the bell. Subscribe something or another. Yeah. And uh, if you don't know... If you don't watch the YouTube to get the uh, the little notification thingamajig, then we've got a link in the show notes to get the show time converted to your time zone. All right, that's it. Joe, where do I get more of you if I if I just can't help but need you, more you, Joe you, voice sir, in my life? You, sir, can catch me outside. Oh! <laughs> catch no. him outside? Yep. I got a $5 bill on it. Um, no, you can catch me on a couple of my other podcasts that I'm a host on. Um, the Linux Link Tech Show www.tllts.org, the Linux Lugcast, www.linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe. I'm not on there as much as, you know, I was in the past. Or you can... That's www.mewe.com. Or you can send me an email direct, jb at mintcast.org. That's www.jb at mintcast.com. I've always not, wondered, it's Joe... Not, it's really not. All, all those W's can be dropped these I was days. Gonna, you know, I've guys. always wondered that. 
Do you need the W's um, on that? You have there in the are past. a few websites that it's required, but only a yeah, few. You have because in my brain I say dub dub dub. Uh. <laughs> well, that's because you're in dubstep. Hey, listen, <laughs> Skrillex with the when I copy and paste after I go to um, yeah. like LinuxLugcast.com, it automatically converts it to www. Yeah. I, most websites have a redirect. When you don't add the www, it, it'll just go, you know, to the www anyway. But yeah, it, it just always cracked me up that that you that you threw the www in there. Anyway, <sighs> Bo is not here this time, but he's still doing that other thing called Crowbar Kernel Panic. That's pretty cool. You can get him at. Oh wow, they have an email now. Crowbar Kernel Panic at pm me. Awesome, Moss. What about you? You can catch me on Full Circle Weekly News. Distro Hoppers Digest, which we'll be recording on Wednesday. It's Moss, the website. On MeWe, several blogs, music on Bandcamp, and various YouTube channels. At Bardic Triad on Twitter. At Zyvala at hosttux.social on Mastodon. Zyvalananda at Zyvalananda protonmail.ch. And it gets longer when I get interrupted. And I have responses. There are lots of links in there. See the show notes. And we can go on to Tony. Tony's not here. He's at a retreat. Uh, you can get him at HPR, host ID 338, his occasional blog, tony-hughes.blogspot.com. Twitter's at tonyh1212, th at mincast.org, and distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Woo! Tony Watson here either, tw at mincast.org, or Google up, Echoes of Savage is the band. Josh Hawk, also not here. What is it with today? Uh, Josh on tech at mincast.org. It's totally official. If you didn't catch it last episode, uh, both Josh and Mike are totally official now. Uh, you can get him at Josh on tech on Twitter and most other social sites. And of course, Crowbar Colonel Panic. Mike. Oh, you could find me riding my bicycle around town with some oatmeal cream pies strapped to the back, although I hope you don't. Uh, aside from that, you can catch me at Mike at mintcast.org or on uh, Discord and Telegram at GrouchyM. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cash you outside to get some of those oatmeal cream pies, though. Nobody better leave a finger on my oatmeal cream pies. I just bought Woo. a new box last uh, night. I'll try uh, to make some at home. <laughs> uh, and for me, leochavez.org and at leochavez on Twitter, at leo at c.im on Mastodon, linuxuserspace.show, which is on break at the moment, or you can always just buy me a coffee. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for audio editing. Josh Lowe for all of his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. In it RD for the animated Discord logo, which is still so cool. And Londoner for our time sync. Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our crickety mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files and HPR for our backup mumble room. But of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. And co. I gotta meet this code guy. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Midcast. Like, uh, everybody's saying it at the 
Y'all came in at the exact same time. I don't know if y'all's latency had it, but it was perfect together. Oh no, even Joe and Joe and Moss even had harmony. Dude. I felt left out of this one. They sang it like an acapella band. Well, I'm stopping my three hours and seven minutes almost of audacity. Yeah, yeah, but we're only doing it once and then we'll just play the recording back. Um, so we need to we need to have that. And then uh yeah, just the end co at the end. And it, it, that's that's like the calling card forever. Lordy, lordy, lordy.